Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding. That is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So today I am with Mark Colgan who is at the moment enjoying the wonderful weather in Lisbon. So, um, before we actually go into today's topic, which is how to get your first profitable clients for your brand new SaaS product, I think it's time to first find out more about who Mark is. Mark, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hey, Christian. First of all, thank you for inviting me onto the, the Grove Zone podcast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, well, in the very early days, depending on how far back we go, I originally started out as a child model um, with huge thanks to my mum for pushing me in that direction. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a success. I only did one um, one photo shoot. So I, as I grew up, I thought I'm not going to be a, a model. So I moved into the world of marketing. And in particular, I've been working over the last eight or nine years with B2B SaaS companies. Typically, I've been the first mark, the first digital marketer or, or the head of marketing, building out a lot of the demand generation strategies and the technology behind the uh, campaigns. And more recently in my career, I've moved into a role uh, where I'm building and running an agency. Um, but I also consult with B2B SaaS companies, typically around finding those first few customers or moving from that founder-led sales to building out a sales team as well. Um, so hopefully you can draw on a lot of uh, anecdotes and stories from my experience in, in today's interview. Awesome. So, um, yeah, let's go into our topic of how to be profitable, especially when you think of it, you've got a new SaaS product and nobody maybe knows you your company is maybe not that known either you are a startup or you have actually identified a business opportunity and thought well let's go and build that product and use it maybe for ourselves and use it as well for our clients how do you think mark can people just be smarter to get the product properly into the market get those first clients to get more clients and have the right clients instead of people who are maybe just trying to get a freebie and use your software for free absolutely so a lot to unpack there christian i think it's really important to start with a few fundamentals around um, sales and uh, i can imagine if you are a technical founder or a co-founder and you don't have a sales background, it, it can seem very daunting. 
So a few bits of advice I like to give um, in this situation is that sales really isn't about selling. It's about starting conversations. So when you have that mindset of starting conversations, it can make the whole sales process feel less salesy, um, which is quite uh, appealing to those who aren't uh, too confident when it comes to selling. Um, the second thing, uh, the second bit of advice is don't look for the tactics just yet. You really need to develop an understanding of who your ideal customer profile is and who are the personas within those companies. So an ideal customer profile or ICP, as it's often referred to, is the type of company that you want to sell to. And, and you might look at thermographic data like um, location or industry uh, employee numbers. So how big is their uh, is their company? It could be a turnover. Um, have they do they uh, sell? Is their revenue over a certain amount? Um, it could also be what technology do they use? And if you're building a product which also integrates with a the technology, then that's a great um, it's a great determining factor as to whether this would be a good customer for you. So that's the the ideal customer profile. That's the the company level. Then you need to take it a step further and think about the buyer personas. And that's really the individuals. So just because you can sell to um, the insurance industry, uh, let's say it's the travel insurance industry, probably a bad example right now, Christian, with COVID. But um, <laughs> let's say it's the travel industry. Um, who is it within that organization that you need to speak to? If you're selling a, uh, an AI uh, customer service software that helps people improve the or helps the customer service team understand the sentiment of those chatbot messages and, and emails, then it's probably not going to be the HR director that you need to speak to. Um, it may be the customer service leader or even the call center manager. So you really need to think about who is it within the businesses that are going to be using the product that, that I'm, I'm looking to sell. The third thing, before I pause just for a second, is that you a lot of companies make the mistake of making and positioning themselves as the hero, as in we have an amazing product and it is the hero that you've been looking for. It's going to save you. Now, interestingly, people don't like to uh, don't like to be sold to, but they like to buy. And also, when it comes to um, the hero, the customer is actually the hero, and they're on a journey. And our job as a, a software uh, vendor um, or a founder of a business of a service is to be the guide in that journey. And if you look at any film uh, like, uh, let's say, Star Wars, you have Luke Skywalker. He's the hero, but Yoda is the guide. Um, for those, uh, I'm from the UK, so James Bond, um, you've got James Bond as the hero, but the, the guide in that is, is Q. So what you have to do as a founder is position yourself as that guide and become known, liked and trusted so that when people have the need for the challenge that your product or service can help them overcome, they think of you. Yeah, that's absolutely true because uh, otherwise uh, you're always all the time trying to sell the product to yourself instead of to actually your client uh, customers' needs. Uh, it's a similar situation. For instance, recently I was selling a, a system to a client who bought f 10 years ago from us a phone system. And uh, yeah, we noticed that all the wiring was quite old, was causing issues. And, and there were some functionalities, of course, that the new phone, the old phone system couldn't provide anymore. So we haven't, we're having that conversation. As you said, sales is all about having the conversation. And actually, I visited the client three times. 
to just uh, finalize all the key things, actually what we really wanted to look at. And mm-hmm. in the end, I made just a proposal. It wasn't a final proposal. It was just a suggestion. And I said, straight away, they want to have it. Yeah, so that's actually good because um, you have to have first an understanding what your client really needs, what their real pains are, and not what maybe you would like to sell as functionality. Absolutely. But if you've got somebody who is maybe in the organization becomes a sponsor for you, who actually then actually promotes your product or your offer to the next level in organization, then that's good because they trust this person. I think, well, if he says this is really good and and it sounds good, then okay, let's have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great thing. Yeah. And, and I think as well, so um, what I didn't mention in the intro is that I actually coach um, a course on outbound prospecting for the Sales Impact Academy. Mm-hmm. So six or seven times a year, I, I teach uh, newly uh, new sales reps. So they're usually in their zero to six months of a role. They haven't worked in sales before. So the first few sessions is all about the mindset and also the uh, really understanding your, your buyers and, and understanding what pain points and challenges that they have. And what I like to remind them, especially when they're early in their career as a sales rep, is that your career is going to outlive the companies that you work for. Typically, in the majority of the cases, you won't work in the same company for the rest of your life. So sales is about the long game. Just because somebody you speak to now isn't looking to buy or purchase doesn't mean that next month they start a new role have the need that you can solve uh, and have a problem that you could actually solve with your service or product. And then they come back to you. So I'm always looking every interaction that I have with somebody, if they can't buy right now, I often, I often like to find out what else are you, what are your challenges? What, What are you really stuck on at the moment? It looks like my product isn't the right fit for you, but how else can I help you? And I'm always paying paying it forward. I'm always looking to add value and um, and de- and deliver that value without expecting anything in return because you just never know where people end up. And it could be that they are changing roles, or it could be that budget is uh, freed up because uh, a different project finished, and then they are in a position. And one of the one of the I was asked for what my um, sales philosophy is. And there's some great training out there from Sandler to the transparency cell, the challenger cell. There's lots of different sales frameworks, but my one is as simple as I can keep it. It is my whole goal of having a conversation with somebody is to make them like me and want, and if somebody asked, um, would you want to go for a beer or a coffee with Mark? They'd say yes. And that's my whole goal. I just want to become come across as a trusted advisor and be likable. And if, if I can't sell to that person right now, that's okay. Uh, I'm actually looking to de- start developing um, a professional relationship. So I think these mindset uh, things and the reason why I'm, I'm reiterating them is it's really important because once you have that mindset that you're just trying to make friends, selling becomes easy and it doesn't feel like you're selling. Exactly. And, and things happen that you don't even expect. Like uh, once I was in a sailing club and I was uh, just enjoying uh, food and um, 
Yeah, and this, another entrepreneur that uh, we know asked me whether I can help him with his camera because he couldn't uh, get his photos out. And I said, okay, I can check it out. Because, of course, we were quite some freaks on, on digital photography and so on. We did a lot with that stuff uh, as a hobby. And I checked it out. I helped him fix it. And then next thing uh, he asked me, can I can I do as well? Can we do as well this and this kind of stuff? Yeah, we can. And boom. Yeah. <laughs> we we sold a system that was like a hundred times more valuable than the than the little cable that I got him and helped him to solve and copy. The the time I invested in his photo thing um paid out twenty uh, times more. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I, I can see that the my philosophy of, of sales has been working for me because I've got one customer at the moment who has been a customer with me for the last four or five years at the various different businesses that I've either built myself and run or was was managing for somebody else. And they come along the journey with you because they've built that relationship with you. Um, they trust you. So um, yeah, I think it's just very important to forget that you're trying to sell and just be a good person, deliver value. And like I said, just because they're not ready to buy right now doesn't mean that they're not going to be ready to buy in the future. Exactly. And it means as well, that's not, not only something that happens maybe with uh, small companies or family run companies, you can even build that relationship as well with uh, corporates. Like we have a few clients as well ourselves, my own company, where we've got um, big corporates, uh, multinational corporates uh, that are based actually in the US, but uh, the local big uh, subsidiaries here. Yeah, they've been coming regularly to us again and that because we built that relationship and that and even the which is a funny thing when your own client actually invites you to a lunch uh, at their cost then you notice okay you've done obviously something right because otherwise they wouldn't be spending money on you definitely and and again like i have people coming to me saying hey mark i know that you don't do this or you this isn't the product or service but do you know anybody that can help with this And, you know, it doesn't take me a lot of time at all to think about who in my network could potentially help them. And then I'll make the introduction. But it's an insanely valuable, uh, valuable introduction for them because there's almost a pre-vetting that has been been done by, by myself. I wouldn't make a bad introduction. Um, but again, I'm, I've become the trusted advisor when it comes to specific topics. And I've only been able to achieve that because I've freely given value And I've never come across with commission breath, which is um, what sometimes what you hear in the industry, almost like walking into a car dealership uh, 15, 20 years ago, that salesperson is going to be all over you trying to convince you to buy the car that, that has the biggest profit margin. Um, so yeah, the, these mindsets are, are really important. And I think it, it moves on quite nicely into talking about, well, how do you fight, once you understand your ideal customers and once you understand your buyer personas, How do you find those who are experiencing a problem or they're in pain? Uh, and when I talk about pain, it could be a professional pain or a personal uh, pain. So the professional pain could be that they are growing the team and they don't have the software in place to help them facilitate the onboarding of new customers. Um, it could be that they're raising a round of funding. They need to um, hit the new targets that the VCs have set uh, and they don't know what the best strategy would be moving forward. Um, or it could be more of, of the personal pain is that they have objectives that they want to hit themselves. There is a sense of achievement that they they want to uh, achieve in, in their role. And perhaps they're being held back slightly. And your tool, your product, your service could be what helps them achieve and overcome the pains that they have. So the question I like to ask 
the, the founders that I speak to, especially when they're uh, not, not from a sales background, is to ask themselves, what's going on in your prospect's life? So your prospect being a potential customer, what's going on in your prospect's life before they need your product or service? Hmm. Yeah. And it's just such a fantastic question to start thinking about because you'll start to understand what those triggers are that people experience before they re reach out to you um, or, or before they start looking for a, a service or a, or a solution to the problem that they have. And they've identified the pain. So I, <clears throat> I would start there if I was looking at <clears throat> how I acquire my first customers profitable in, in a profitable way. It's what's, what's going on in their life just before they need my software. And then let me go and find some people who are experiencing that, that issue. Yeah. And of course that's the thing when people, uh, haven't got experience in, in sales and that, and uh, they're mostly maybe the programmers or designers mm -hmm. or that kind of areas. They of course say, okay, hmm, I go and find, how do I find them? I don't know who has the problem, although they know, okay, it would be this kind of problem. But of course, you can't just look in the internet and see, okay, this guy has a problem. <laughs> yeah, You're... well, I, I agree. I agree. And it, it, it doesn't, doesn't sound as easy um, to implement as the advice is to give out. But the one place that I, I tell a lot of people to start with, and I don't see many other people giving this advice, but I always recommend that you have a look at the job descriptions of the ideal customer that you're looking to sell to. Um, let's say that it is a internal communications manager. That, that's who is your ideal customer. Go to LinkedIn and do a job search just as if you were um, your ideal customer profile. So just as if you were a internal communications manager and just have a look at what, take a look at 10 adverts and look for the key themes what they're going to be is you and, and you're looking for the responsibilities because ultimately those responsibilities are the objectives of that role. So it might be to roll out a diversity and inclusion policy throughout the business, um, increase the engagement of, um, of, of internal communications throughout the business. Um, it could be to also facilitate the training of new starters so that they are onboarded effectively from a communications point of view. Just by looking at 10 job descriptions, you'll be able to understand what those problems and challenges are. What I recommend people do is that they save that link uh, to the job search on LinkedIn. And this is the free LinkedIn as well, Christian. It's not the paid for LinkedIn. Mm. And, put it, and put it in a recurring calendar appointment every whatever day is best for them. I like to do it on a Friday lunchtime just as I'm having lunch. It's quite an easy task to do. And I will, I will look at the job descriptions that have been posted because I'm looking for things that are changing or I'm looking for wordings. Uh, sorry, terminology like TikTok that wasn't mentioned in job descriptions two years ago, but now it is. Um, podcasting is becoming more popular. So people are looking for uh, candidates with experience of managing podcasts. So look for the trends and look for the, for the objectives of, of that role. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you look at that, uh, of course, there's lots of spamming happening in, in LinkedIn. But if you really focus on who you really want to contact and where you really can uh, deliver value and build a trust, then um, I think one doesn't really then come like a spammer or like these cold calling calls that have no value, which is good. Yeah, 
if we are focused and really look who do we really want to have a conversation, who can we really provide value, then they'll take the time as well to listen and have that conversation. Sure. And you can start your messaging or you can start your outreach with, um, hi, Christian, as somebody who manages a growing team of salespeople, oftentimes onboarding sales reps can be quite a challenge, especially more so, especially more in this remote environment that we're in. And then you can talk about how your solution solves the problem. So you could say, um, we've developed a product that enables sales development reps to ramp up faster. And you're using terminology here that's familiar to your buyer persona. Um, we've developed a technology that helps sales reps uh, ramp up faster and get them fully up to speed whilst you can maintain control over the coaching environment in a remote setting. Is this a challenge that you're experiencing right now? That's all your message has to be. You're not trying to sell you're trying to understand whether they have that challenge that you've identified that your product can help them overcome. Yeah, because then you know, okay, you've got something that matches because it's like a you're saying, uh, asking, do you have a car or not? Well, if you haven't got a car, uh, you don't need, let's say, new spoilers or new tires. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's like the people who who call, like yesterday someone uh, called me and tried to sell me his, uh, his system and I, I said, yeah i i'm not interested in this kind of stuff and he he just going on and then eventually somehow he got fed up and just hang up and i thought uh, this is well a stupid way to end it because he's just uh wasted an opportunity actually instead of finding out maybe what's more interesting for me or what do i really need mm-hmm. where he maybe has something else that he yeah. actually is not aware that he actually could sell with other thing and later on maybe i might be willing to listen to this other stuff but even calling on a uh, public holiday is just not very smart even if i tell him it's today a public holiday he obviously isn't calling from the same country and uh, using the same phone number from the same country doesn't make sense because it's it's just bad cold calling because the other person hasn't even isn't even expecting the call Mm -hmm. not even willing to have the proper conversation um, that leads to anything and it's just not yeah. not good salesmanship no certainly not and and whilst we're talking about cold calling um it takes a certain skill and experience and practice to be comfortable with cold calling so if you are <clears throat> a founder and maybe you're a technical founder and cold calling seems like the last thing that you'd want to do you can certainly um, find customers via messaging on LinkedIn and email without having to jump on the call straight away. I, I wouldn't want the fear of cold calling to be the thing to stop somebody from acquiring new customers when you can use other channels like email and LinkedIn. But if, Christian, we, we spoke very briefly before about uh, LinkedIn being very spammy and you get so many people connecting and pitching. It's called the pitch slap. Um, all they do is connect and then they pitch you with a, uh, pitch you with a service and, or, or a product when really they should just ask, is this something that you're experiencing right now? Um, is this a challenge for you? Is this something that's on your mind? Um, as you give the example of the car, no one's going to buy new tires if they don't have a car. Um, so use you can use email and you can use LinkedIn once you've kind of understood who your ideal customer profiles and, and the buyer personas are to start those conversations. Yeah, and even if you want to use traditional uh, letter mailing, that works as well quite well. If you have the wording the right way and you actually um, 
address the key things that really are, are of key importance or value to the person even a physical letter can do it right i I did Certainly. some uh, mailings, for instance, where I got like 8% response just by actually ticking off all those key important things. And usually the, the typical outgoing mailing stuff that doesn't address these things will have less than 1% um, response. And we think of it, these letters usually don't are not addressed to you buy my, my stuff instead of I'm providing value to you. Would you like to uh, participate in this and this thing? Or, let's, for instance, let's say you wanted to build a partner program and something. Um, yeah, if your SaaS product needs a certain kind of uh, partner network to actually get the product in the right client or, or facilitate certain things that are necessary, but you can't supply yourself because maybe you're based in one state and, and actually your buyers in a different state. So it doesn't mean that the buyers cannot use the product, but you just need somebody else to maybe help you over the threshold in certain areas and both can profit. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes, uh, speaking of that, um, as you said, uh, building trust is so, so important and building as well this demand, the demand strategy, as you said, uh, it's so important because at the beginning, the product is not known, your company is maybe not known, um, the, comp the, the people maybe are not even sure if, your, if their data is safe on your system. So how, how do you build that real demand then to get from the few customers to a decent amount that you can really start becoming profitable without uh, needing crazy a lot of capital to just even show that you actually yeah a profitable business i i think at the, in the very early stages you may want to um work with some customers maybe at a discounted rate just to secure them as customers hmm. and maybe have them come on board with the understanding that they'll be able to provide a testimonial or a case study when i started my agency speak on podcast we worked with four or five people who were friends of the business i'd say or people hmm. from within my network um, we offered them a discounted rate on the service with the intention of them uh, providing us with a case study and testimonial and, and also telling their friends about, about us and the, the amazing experience that they had. So, you know, that actually came at a greater cost to me because we are running a people-based business, not a software. Um, if you have a software and uh, there isn't uh, necessarily any large server implications for having some of these customers come on board, um, then that might be a good way to get those initial customers coming in. There's a fantastic book by Jeffrey Moore. I think it came out in the 70s or 80s called Crossing the Chasm. And he talks about in there the technology adoption lifecycle. I highly recommend anybody who hasn't read that book to, to give it a read. Um, one of the things that he suggests in that, and this was selling um off uh, on uh, this was selling software before the cloud as well uh, but the the uh, the story and and the advice is still true um is to attack uh, look at your market like a beachhead and what you should really do is focus on one industry at a time and then as you um as you develop the customer stories as you be become better at telling the story of your company and how it helps solve the problems you can use the credibility that you build up with one industry or one vertical to sell to more within those verticals until you reach a point where you're ready to expand into selling and positioning into a different vertical. And what that often reflects 
to on the website is that you'll see um, at the very early stages, you'll just have one page, uh, sorry, a, a very simple ho- uh, website, which has a home page and maybe a product page. But you'll see over time that you develop different use cases. So it might be that your product is uh, the use case is for salespeople or for marketers or for recruitment consultants, because your product can help all of those people, depending on obviously what it is. Um, and or you might see that you have industry specific pages as well. But I would start with one particular vertical and look to expand within that vertical as well. Once you've got those first few customers and you're researching to understand what their real pain points and challenges are and the language that they use, you'll then be able to start to ramp up your outbound activity. If you don't have the time or the budget to really invest in SEO and content marketing, which I think are fantastic channels, but I appreciate that they're not always the, uh, the quickest, then outbound sales or outbound marketing is probably one of the most of the effective ways without a bud- without much of a budget to generate those first few customers. And one again, another thing here is to take that long uh, take the take the uh, take a step back and and think about things over the longer term. Um, there's a there's a fantastic uh, company called Salesflare. They do a they they have a CRM customer relationship management software. They know that a lot of the the people that would be great customers aren't actually using a CRM at the moment. They're using Excel as or a spreadsheet to manage their CRM. So what they've done is they've created content around how to use Excel as a CRM. And they've even put together a template to say, here's the best practice template you could use in Excel to manage your customer relationship management database. So they've actually provided the template to a solution that they've built a whole software for. But the idea is to offer that value to those people who uh, aren't quite ready to to start using a CRM. And then I I can imagine that once you download the template or you you request the template from them, I'm sure they're going, they educate the user as to why uh, a a more uh, robust CRM would be better for them. So you're slowly starting to educate um, the, uh, the the potential customers. So it's taking that long-term view and just thinking about how can we best serve the potential customers of the future. Yeah, and the good thing is, of course, they're not necessarily looking for a CRM, but they're looking for something to solve in, in Excel. And then mm-hmm. they'll find it and they'll keep it and eventually they start looking at the at the product that they actually offer, the main product, and might think, well, let's try that out. How's that yeah. actually for it? And they notice, oh, actually, that's quite nice. And, and it's maybe easier than Excel and that. Uh, and maybe they might even do something with somebody else together and notice, oh, that's so difficult with Excel. Maybe an yeah. online version where we all can somehow collaborate together much easier, make life a little bit <laughs> less stressful and painful. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and especially when you think of it, even if you've got people who are working cross-country on that, different countries, different continents, different states and that, it can be quite a challenge as well um, if you've got different time zones, different languages and that. I was just recently working on a tender together with some other project partners and we were, um, 
a whole group of, I think, six different companies from all different uh, parts of Europe, all different sizes, different everything. And we were having like exchanging lots of documents. We had uh, Microsoft team meetings and so on. And today I had just a call with one of our partners and say, hey, I thought, when are we going to have time actually to do the work? Yeah, all yeah. the time on, on yeah. meetings and that stuff. And uh, my business usually uh, uses a lot of Zoom and they, the other partners use a lot of Microsoft Teams. And I, I don't like that product so much because you click on something and you, either you don't see anything or you see everything, but you you don't have the, the kind, kind of comfort that I'm used from Zoom. But of course, if you use Teams all the time, then maybe you'll be able to use it in a different way than I, because I don't usually use that tool and I'm not familiar. And uh, that's actually quite interesting how you then see how then the different cultures, even if companies use different products and they're used to that, how then when you have these teams that have issues and if you've got a CRM system where you say, we need to have a joint venture and we need a sales team, we have to maybe even get sales teams from different countries, from different companies work together and we have to put the marketing people together and some customer service and so on and IT people and so on and you have really a complexity that you need to have a system where everybody can work and otherwise you're sending emails back and forth, meetings there and then you're not really able actually to deliver the, the service quality that the customer who's actually buying this stuff from the mm -hmm. whole party or bidding party, they're not really then that happy then otherwise. Yeah, so, and everything that you've just shared there, Christian, a co-founder, oh, sorry, a founder of a, of a product could find that out if they just spoke to people. So uh, I think to go back to the to the main objective of, of, of this, the topic of this, uh, of the podcast is that, yes, you want to sell to people, but first find out what really is their challenge? What do they not like? What is a pain? What takes them more time than it should do? And just understand that language. And you'll be surprised, the majority of people, in, in general, people are nice and they do want to help others. Um, and if you approach it in the right way, have those conversations, then you can take the language that's being used and then um, and then speak to potential customers and say, hey, do you find that this is an issue for you when you're trying to do X and Y? It's just a lot easier to start those conversations and, and have conversations and also come across as somebody who's that advisor, not the salesperson. Yeah, exactly. Because maybe they're actually looking for something different and uh, maybe they have some other problems that you might even be able to eventually in long term even solve with your own solution together by maybe providing integrations and other kind of things that make life a little bit easier. And especially if now with the pandemic, people are working from home office. And if you maybe had, for instance, like a holding where you've got different uh, Pa um, the parent company and you have different subsidiaries in different countries and everybody's suddenly working from home bandwidth is not always the best thing and of course some people think well if i can't even properly do this and that how i'm supposed to work with a SaaS product online i don't know and the funny thing is actually sometimes you can be quite surprised um, what is actually possible uh, i was Two years ago, I was working with a friend of mine uh, on a project where we were building a marketing campaign and we're using Infusionsoft. And we were in uh, at his house in Surrey with really quite a bad internet connection. It was it looked took quite some time to to view in the evening to view some video to have a nice beer and enjoy uh, listening to uh, or watching a Netflix video. Mm -hmm. But during the day, we had no issues building a huge complex 
marketing workflow in Infusionsoft, it all actually worked quite well. And when I think of it, here at home, I've got like a, a 100 Mbit, and he mm -hmm. only had 2 Mbit. <laughs> and it made, didn't really make much of a difference um, for working. So bandwidth isn't automatically something that um, excludes a SaaS product for a company. There are plenty of areas where a SaaS product can be quite a great thing. And just recently, I, I saw a, a marketing description for a, a cloud-based desktop. Okay, It's nothing else other than a flat screen with a thin client and all your software, let's say whether it's your Microsoft Office or other kind of applications, they're all running in the cloud. So it's mm -hmm. a perfect home office environment. You just have your cordless keyboard, your mouse, and that's it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so easy because uh, you don't have a big box somewhere or you don't have a notebook that you have to fold up if you need a big screen. A notebook doesn't help you. And if you've got a notebook and a big screen, if you haven't got the right space at home, it can be quite a challenge for people. If Certainly. Yeah, and we've got homeschooling that. The child needs as well somewhere space to do their homeschool. And eventually, people just don't have the space. They just can't go and, and build an attachment to the house or to the flat. It just doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah. But that shows actually that uh, there's so much changing in the way we are working and companies are more open to SaaS products because they see we don't want any more the old style of working and whether it's phone systems whether it's business software marketing tools other kind of stuff they want to have that flexibility and and get rid of all those different kind of pains that they maybe have absolutely mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was great having you here on the show, Mark. And I'm sure we'll be talking in the future as well about other topics around um, B2B SaaS growth marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, if people actually want to reach out uh, to you and as well find out more about your your different kind of services you offer, and as well, I think that you mentioned there's a course for outbound uh, marketing or sales academy. Yeah. 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 So um, the the best place to contact me is on LinkedIn. And if you just in your connection message, just mention that you heard me on the growth zone. Um, that just helps me understand what I would have been speaking about. Um, so feel free, uh, Mark Colgan. That's uh, M A R K, and then my surname is C O L G A N. Um, so find me on LinkedIn. Or alternatively, to see some of the various different projects I'm involved in, you can go to markcolgan.co.uk, and that will just give you a flavour of the the few different projects I'm working on at the moment. Cool, cool, brilliant. Well, Christian, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome having you here and uh, was great fun. Excellent. Take care.
I hope you enjoy today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening, and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients. And that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmedia.com reach.com That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAP Barge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is C-A-P, Barge. Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel. Thank you.